Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cup Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we are recapping the 150th Open Championship. Mark Gamelman is here. Hey, Mark. Hey, Rick. How are we doing? It's uh, good to be with you guys. I'm just digging the Carl Porter look. I mean, this is setting a new, new, a new bar on the First Cut Podcast. Uh, Kyle Porter is here. Kyle Porter is there. And Kyle Porter is rocking a bright red bucket cap. For those of you who are not watching on YouTube, it says, I believe it says the Open at, at St. Andrews. It says 2022. And uh, I love it, Kyle. Welcome. Yeah, I picked this up on the way to the course today. I interviewed Tony Finau in this hat. Uh, he probably thinks I'm just a complete clown, which... <laughs> accurate I, I probably am uh so i'm not real worried about i interviewed justin thomas in this hat they probably all think i'm a complete clown which i'm totally fine with it was uh you know i i, I didn't expect anything different but it was probably the you know it, it was up there with the Ryder cups and a couple of masters with the week of the week of my career so it was just just the best. I, I can't imagine. Well, I can't imagine it going better, perhaps at the end, which we'll talk about. But um, just a just an unbelievable week and uh, one that I will remember for uh, for as long as I do this job. Right. Two questions, Kyle. How what is the pint count for the week? And I dig the bucket hat. But why red? What was possessing you to go with red? Was there some deeper meaning here? No, the well, first the red. It was uh, it was the only one they had like this. I probably would have gone blue or white if they had like the same one in blue or white. It was just the only one they had, and it was like ten pounds. So I was, I was. Uh, Did yeah, you get a free bowl of soup with that too? It, yeah, I've only heard that like twenty-seven <laughs> times today. Um, <laughs> the pine count is not high. The pine count might be lower than the the rounds of golf count to be honest uh we've been playing a lot of golf running around all over the place here and honestly we've only gone to have beers like once or twice um which was i mean the whole thing has just been nobody wants to hear about my week we can talk about cam smith but i will say the whole week has been just about as much fun as as you can have covering a golf tournament i love that that's so awesome. 10 pounds, by the way, that's $11.87 here in the States. You ever, are you are you coming back, Kyle? Can we confirm that you are? In I, I don't know. I told some of my friends that I might just stay. My, I, I mean, I told my wife I was coming back, so I guess I have to. But uh, we're playing the uh, we're playing the new course on Monday. So not the old course, but the new course. The new and, course that's uh, not so new, right? Yeah, it's built in like... <laughs> 1896. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I don't want to come back. This place is, it's, it's incredible. It's been, uh, you know, like everybody said, it would be the trip of a lifetime. So I'm, I'm very grateful for it. All right. Well, we're willing to, uh, figure out the time zones. If you stay there for a while, we can just do the show, you know, eight hours apart. All good. Uh, before we jump into this and what an unbelievable week it was, 
We asked for 30 seconds of your time. We've been nominated for the best sports podcast uh, at the People's Choice Podcast Awards, and we are going up against some big dogs. So we need every ounce of help and assistance that we can get. I think we're the only golf podcast that has made it into the category, so that's awesome. But you can go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up if you don't want to type that in. There's a link in the description. If you don't want to look in the link, if you're watching on YouTube, there's a QR code that you can scan on the screen. So lots of different ways to get it done. Go down to the sports category click the first cut golf podcast and click submit thank you very much gentlemen we have a new champion golfer of the year uh his name is is cameron smith and he boat raced the field mark on sunday it was an eight under 64 uh obviously blemish free an inward 30 and when the dust settled he hoisted the claret jug. Yeah, it was so, so very impressive. And I think the performance is likely to get lost in the wash of Rory McIlroy not winning an event that everyone was kind of hoping that he would. But to Cam Smith, and, and you and I talked about this, I think it might have been Thursday or whatever. He, he's just got that gear about him. And, and I was so impressed that he was able to bounce back from around like he did on Saturday, where he's in the, the last group, round never really came to him very well it was tough sledding there was no real momentum in the group and and i remember a call by paul azinger on uh, 14 i believe it was where he attempted the shot out of the, uh, off the side of this pot bunker and hit it in the gorse and and just made a complete mess and and they were all like well that decision is going to cost him the open championship well you know for i don't know 24 short hours later you know, he has the guy hoisting the claret jug. And we need to recognize that stretch of five birdies he made straight because that stretch of holes there, there are a couple easy ones. But when you turn for home, especially today, because it was into a bit of a hurting breeze and it was getting a bit cooler, that was some play. And then that up and in on 17, that was that was truly magical. And 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 it was I, I'm thoroughly impressed and I'm looking forward to seeing him in black and gold in the President's Cup because I feel like he might be a, a giant killer uh, for the President's Cup team. You yeah, might not see him on the President's Cup team. Uh, let's talk. <laughs> can we, can okay, we let's talk? <laughs> do we want to do that now? <laughs> so I honestly forgot about Liv for like two days, which was just the most glorious two days of the year. I mean, it was everybody was talking about it all week and then the last two days nobody's talked about it, which was <laughs> just been phenomenal. So Let's not talk about it. Let's keep going with the open. All right. Cam Smith, th this round, Kyle, um, Mark Mark points out five birdies, 10 through 14. Adds another on 18. The up and down on 17 at the road hole. Splendid stuff. Something I wouldn't even try to pull off in Mario Golf. He does it. Um, this was clearly a very pro-Rory situation out there at the old course today. At what point from the grounds did this kind of turn and you could feel – that Cam Smith was kind of taking over this thing. Yeah, I think it was uh I think it was 12. So Rory pars 12 and Cam birdies 13 ahead of him and 12 is one you probably maybe not should make birdie on but you you could and that's when it it cuz it, it Listen, like for the first 10 holes, it felt like, okay, Rory's going to do this. It's just a matter of like how much, okay, Hovland's out of the way, uh, Cam Young's out of the way. Okay, he's he's fine. Like he's going to, he might roll, like he might win by five, you know? And then all of a sudden, 
there like it got really tense and really quiet on like 12 13 14 that stretch when cam ripped off what five in a row and ran it to 19 and rory didn't really do anything and he wasn't making any putts and it just got like super tense on the course because like you said everybody i mean listen nobody dislikes cam nobody dislikes hovland but it was the perfect ending to the summer. Rory went in the open at the old course, and you only have so many chances to win an open at the old course. And I think that fans here knew that, and they were just just willing him home. And he he just didn't he didn't have it. He didn't make any putts, you know. And uh, so that that was the stretch when it really started to become like, oh, like Rory actually might not win this thing because the entire day, the entire weekend, really was was pointing at a Rory win. Yeah, the not making any putts thing for Rory Mark was not a problem for Cam Smith. The cup probably looked like a swimming pool to him out there. I mean, he was absolutely rolling everything in. And we've kind of talked about this before on the podcast. It's like of the top 25 players in the world, 23 or 24 of them kind of do it the same way. They're either elite off the tee or they're great ball strikers and they just try to putt well enough. Cam Smith does the equation differently uh he is much more reliant on the short game but it is never really to his to his detriment and obviously that works in some of these big time moments where you can just throw stats out the window yeah well let's be honest too i mean when you start splitting players in the top 25 the margins aren't that great and 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 like i said the way he puts is is honestly a real separator because you can throw a blanket over all the guys off the tee pretty much. And then the same thing with the iron game. And this week with the iron game, I felt like using that as a reference to separate players would be really difficult because just the firmness of the greens. And you kind of had to be playing from the fairway because if you didn't, to some of those hole locations downwind, you had no chance of keeping the thing inside of 50 feet. And so it, it sort of, in a funny way, played into Cam's hands. But of all of my experiences at the Open Championship, at St. Andrews especially, it always has. Um, with those big greens, you have to be able to roll the ball up there tight from long range. With all those humps and hollows around the place, you have to be able to kind of wheel the putter around the green some too. And that up and in he made from um, back of 14 was, was also just special. I mean, that was so difficult. And he made it look so easy. So... Yeah, he doesn't drive it that well. And I would say if there is a weakness in the game, it is the driving. His iron game is sound. He can hold his own. He's hit some really quality iron shots throughout his career in some demanding venues. And today, this week, was as demanding as ever with some of those really tight lies. So you really had to be a sound ball striker. But the the old course likes you to putt. And it likes you to hold out from five, six, seven feet because you can leave yourself a, a lot of those. And he not only did that... He made those 15-footers all day long, 15, 20-foot range, and that stretch of golf he went through there, through the loop and into the turn. He stood over that stuff, and the hole just looked ginormous. And every putt that was made, it, it, they weren't limping at the hole. They were perfect speed every single time. So he just found his groove, and once again, very impressive, because the day before, the hole must have looked like a thimble. So I want to go back to the mental acumen and emotional control that he showed just to put Saturday behind him get after it on Sunday. And in the end, it, it's, it stood him in really good stead. 
Uh, that final round, 64, the lowest by a champion at St. Andrews. Previously, it was Zach Johnson, 66 in 2015, and one shy of the lowest uh, lowest final round score by a champion in open history. That was Henrik Stenson, 63 in 2016. Kyle, the highlight that they will uh, replay over and over and over again is the road hole. Um, it hits, hits his drive and then kind of fans the second shot where – he is, uh, bet- the, the road hole bunker is between he and the hole and he opts to, uh, take out that flat stick. He opts to kind of run it up alongside, leave himself with, I don't know, 15 feet or so, and then makes that for par on a hole that was playing 4.6. That, that felt like when he really closed the door on the rest of the field to be able to pull off that up and down and you're on mute. Sorry, sorry. I'm trying to limit the background noise here. That was filthy. So here, here's how here's how I experienced that hole. So we're we're sort of it, it's. I mean, this place, as Mark knows, it's it's really hard to kind of get around. It's not um, like everything's out and back in, and you're trying to jump around and follow people. But we were with Rory and uh, Hovland in the final group, and so we kind we were seeing like some of Cam. But on 17, obviously, you can't get all the way up there unless you unless you walk ahead. And so we just got hung up. Anyway, we we got word or somebody had like their YouTube TV on their phone and it showed it showed the spot where Cam was. And I was with Shane Bacon. He's like, oh, that's a five. Like, that's an auto five. Right. Like, that's just the fivest of fives. And like 10 minutes later, somebody was like, uh, he, he made the putt for four and we were all just like, it, 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 like as many birdie, he shot 30 on the back and his most impressive score was a, was a par, right? He makes six birdies on the back and the, and the score and the, the one that won in the tournament, in my opinion, is the four on 17. Like you can't make four from there. You can't not, not like at any time in a practice round, but especially with the tournament on the line. And he did. And, I mean, that you, you have to that's big time. Like you have to hand it to somebody when they do that. And I was I was just super impressed by that. Well, Mark, he adds his name to a very, very short list of golfers who have won the players and the open championship in the same season. That list now two. <laughs> the only previous name on that list was Jack Nicholas when he did it in 1978. Uh, also, you add in the tournament of. Uh, champions victory and we are brewing up a really good year for cam smith here i don't know if it's going to rival i don't we can discuss it if it's going to rival scotty scheffler's year maybe a late a late ad a late entry for player of the year uh but cam smith has at least stamped a, a major championship on it yeah and a big one the 150th and everyone was saying the entire week how this is special. This is what it's all about. It's all come to this was the catchphrase. Um, one more thing about the round he put together. Not one five on that Sunday scorecard. Yeah. Now, Sundays just hit different. And Kyle, can, uh, I want him to talk about this because a Sunday for the Open at the old course, that is like in a different league. That, that's up there almost, I would say, north of the Masters on a Sunday. And to get around there with all the capriciousness of the golf course and the funny bounces and, and how you can draw a bad line in the fairway even very quickly and some really tight lies that are hard to pitch and putt off, certainly hard to strike irons off, to get around there without a five, that's, that's bordering on magical. And to, the, and to the second observation of yours about the player of the year, look, 
I've been thinking about this because you asked me this the other night. <laughs> and four still trumps three. But if you had to compare them, you got Masters Open. They sort of rival, right? The Players' Championship is a bigger win than the match player. And then you add to the Scotty Scheffler's res resume Bay Hill, which is a big event. It's one of those uh, limited field invitational events. And, of course, Sam's uh, Cam, I should say, has the Tournament of Champions. So, you know, that's limited field also, but only like 50-something players most times. So, but it is, it is a conversation. And now all of a sudden it's placed a little extra emphasis on the playoffs because I'm certain the two of them are unlikely to play the next three weeks. And then they'll show up in Memphis for the FedEx St. Jude event. And then, of course, you've got the BMW and the Tour Championship. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be a whole lot of fun lining up the, the final portion of, this, of the season because it's not like, you know, Scotty is now the overriding favorite to win this award. Yeah, probably comes down a lot, Kyle, to the FedEx Cup if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, isn't it usually just whoever wins the FedEx Cup wins the play of the year? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> I mean, that's that's John Rom should have won it last year, but he didn't. Uh, I think it's still Scheffler. Uh, I don't. We don't need to spend a ton of time probably on Player of the Year during a podcast in the middle of July. But I, I think it's easy to get caught up. <laughs> I do this a lot. It's easy to get caught up in the moment and declare a, you know, whoever won the most recent event. But I think if I had to, I I don't get a vote. Uh, but if I had a vote and I got to vote right now, uh, I, I would vote for Scotty Scheffler. Cam Smith, 150th Open champion. Now, quick, I, mm -hmm. I, can I say one more thing about Cam Smith? Please. I think he, well, two things. One, I thought he, and I didn't see every shot of his again on the weekend, but I thought he did a good job of, um, I mean, he had some, he hit some wild shots, right? Like you go back to Memphis last year when he hits one off the tree and out of bounds. And you're like, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if that was a great choice. He goes right at the pin on 17 and a TPC soccer has to win the players. You're like, oh, boy, I'm glad that worked out. I thought he was, it seemed like, again, I didn't see every shot. Fairly patient, especially on Sunday, just letting things come to him and letting his putter do the work. And then I think the other thing that's sort of related to that is he has a almost to me a DJ like mindset of just not not caring. Obviously he cares. He he to see him get emotional in the in the um when he received the card jug, I thought that was really cool and sort of underrated. So I'm not saying that he doesn't care, but he's just got that perfect balance of like caring just enough, but not caring too much. And it, it feels like it really works to his advantage in some of these big rounds at, at the end of big events. Cam Smith, 150th Open champion, hat tip uh, to him. But we've got to talk about Rory McIlroy. We've got to talk about Victor Hovland. We have to talk about a lot of things. Uh, but first, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Uh, Mark, I don't want to sound uh, ungrateful. I don't. Cam Smith is a worthy champion. I'm thrilled for him. However, I was quite emotionally tied to one of Rory McIlroy or Victor Hovland winning this Open Championship. And for Rory, with the backing of the entirety of the town of St. Andrews uh, and seemingly the entirety oh, of the golf world, the world, yeah, yeah um, it, this is obviously going to be a tough one to swallow. 
I would venture so. Uh, and you have to commend him because the one thing, and this is the instructor in me coming out here, because I've been around players that have been in the final group and then not won. Um, not in a major championship, I, I'll add. But the meaning of this one was special. And for Rory to essentially be in the final group, have the lead, kind of stick to his plan the whole day, you know, play fairly solid, um, you know, hit a few putts that sort of hit the edge and stuff. And I'm not going to go for the crowd that's going to say he should have hit it closer. That's rubbish because, you know, if you're playing receptive golf courses and stuff like that, yeah, you can start to argue that stuff. But on a Lynx golf, that's hard to do. He needed to make some more 15-footers, and he, and he had a few good looks early. Anyway, so that, that aside, I, I want to just commend him for the champion that he is because of all the pressure that comes with having all these folks behind you. Now, I understand it lifts one emotionally. But the challenge about golf, this is unlike football, where you could run out there and tackle Victor Hovland or tackle Cam Smith in front. You've got to manage your emotion through all of that stuff. And imagine how high and how hot this guy must have been. And then you hit one and the crowds go bananas. And then you have to slow yourself down to be able to hit a touch putt or some chip off a title eye or whatever the case might be. So from that point of view, I would be saying to him, Rory, man, just tremendous stuff. Now, I know it sucks. I, we, we cannot put lipstick on a pig here. But then I, I would want to hug the guy and say to him, the fact that you would get up there and go and take questions on television and do it with the grace and the charm. And he, he didn't give the auto answers either. There was a question that was pitched of him and you could see sort of looked away and he looked up to the right as if to say, I'm thinking about this question. I'm not just giving you any old tripe. And, and, and he was so thoroughly professional and it was em emblematic of what was a true champion golfer of the year is kind of a response to a situation and the measure of a man. And, and this is building on what Carl talked about the other day with, with the, uh, I believe it might've been the Lincoln quote or the Roosevelt quote, whatever uh, about being in the field of battle. Rory was in the thick of it and he came out there and didn't slink into the shadows. He stood up there and took it like a man and he stood there on 18 green and he turned around, he acknowledged the crowd. He gave them a round of applause. It was thoroughly professional throughout. So can we critique his performance? I don't think so. He was roundly outplayed today. And that's just how it is. And that's, that happens in golf. And sadly, it happens at the height of the game at times. I've always maintained, and I'll let Carl have it then, that every golf shot makes somebody happy and somebody sad. And sadly, for the golfing public at large, the guy that was sad on the end of this was Rory McIlroy because he did just about everything right. Yeah, just about everything right is exactly right. Kyle Roy McElroy, uh, a bogey-free 70, that's two under, out of the final group when you were tied with Victor Hovland but four shots clear of everyone else. You hit every single green. Uh, the math just didn't add up. Cam Smith just went out there and stole it. And you're on mute. <laughs> God, every time. <laughs> okay, so Rick, if I would have told you on Saturday, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Uh, if I would have told you on Saturday night that Victor shot seventy four, and Rory didn't make a bogey, <laughs> I would have lost my house. I'd be homeless right now. And 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 Rory didn't win. What would you have said? I I I would not have believed you. 
I would well, have said, I wouldn't have said anything. I would have been cracking the champagne right now because Rory's gotten the gigantic gorilla off the back that's been lodged there for the last few years. I mean, it's it's crazy to think about. It's crazy. When, when you just look at the box score and how it all played out, it's really hard to believe Rory didn't win this. I thought I yeah. He so he missed the one on I, I couldn't tell how short it was. The one on three. Do you guys remember how short that was? Like six about, feet, five, feet, five feet. It was about five feet. And you know what's sad, Kyle? When I watched him miss that one, I had that uh oh feeling about me. Because yeah. the, the the rounds prior to that, everything basically was over from that range, was missing if it was on the high edge. That thing was low, and he sort of made as if like I underread that thing. But you yeah, can't, yeah, you can't underread a six. Yeah, feet. so that's interesting that you say that because he said uh, he said he couldn't. There's a lot of putts today where I couldn't trust myself to start it inside the hole. I was always starting on the edge or just outside, thinking it was going to move. And more times than not, they just sort of stayed there. Is that is that does that line up with what you're saying, Mark? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, the, he was putting the first three days with conviction of not just the stroke, but the belief in the line. Because remember. Putting is not just hitting putts. Putting is reading the greens appropriately and then matching the speed to that. And every putty hit was sort of just dying around the hole a little bit today. And a lot of them, just by any price, could have toppled on in. And then, you, then you've got a different result. But you've got to make those things if you want to win. It's just how it is, especially with the quality and the depth of the competition right now. Uh, Producer Jacob, will you, will you pull up this comment about how uh, Rory's results don't match the predictions about him? It was it was one of the more recent comments. That one. Yeah. So uh, I want to read the list of golfers that Rory was trying to join today with twenty that have won twenty PGA Tour events and five major championships. So if Rory's three better today, one of your best tweets ever, just for the record. Okay. This is the list he joins: Nelson, Mickelson, Trevino. Palmer, Sneed, Sarazen, Watson, Player, Hogan, Hagen, Woods, and Nicholas. I don't, I don't know what results you guys are looking for, but that's a hell of a list. And I get it; like he hasn't won a major in eight years, and I, I, I um, I, I don't know what, what, what direction do you want to go with this, Rick? Because I could go any number of directions with just what I'm, what I want to say about Rory. Um, whatever you want. What do you want to do? So, I think that, um, as Mark knows, St. Andrews is a very romantic place. And I think the risk, and I just wrote about this on cbssports.com. I'd love for everybody to go, go read it afterwards. But I think the risk of romance is heartbreak, right? And, and, Rory put himself out there and I asked him afterwards, like, did you let yourself think about it? Cause literally everybody else that's involved in the sport was thinking about it. What would it, what would it feel like for Rory to come up 18 with a three stroke lead? And he said, yeah, I let myself think about it. He said, I was staying at the hotel across from uh, one and 18. And I had a view of the yellow leaderboard that kind of looms over the first uh, fairway. And he said, I would just envision my name at the very top of it. And 
that's what I was dreaming about. And you're like, man, this is like Rory is such a romantic and this place is so ro- it, it was just it was almost like a story that was too on the nose that it, like it was it was so on the nose that it almost just couldn't happen. Like, I don't know. It, it was it was I think there was so much sadness there. And then, you know, he leaves media and he gets in this golf cart with his wife erica and he he did a great job with media like he was really good and really interesting and insightful and just kind of holding it together and as they're driving away he just buries his head in her shoulder and like that they just drove out of sight like that and you're like man like this is uh this is tough like this is tough to watch it's tough to experience and listen like it doesn't take away from, from what cam smith did he he was he was awesome and you shoot 30 on the back at the old course with the open on the line all the hat tips right like that's that's big time stuff but um yeah golf is cruel and i think we saw um we saw that on sunday with rory uh, 17 top 10 finishes Mark since his last major win. Rory makes us feel, makes, I'll just speak for myself, makes me feel different, right? It's, it's not only the fact that we've been doing this for, for 25 years where Rory's chipping into washing machines and we're watching it on TV and the bar has been raised constantly. And the point we're at now, the bar is so high that he's only graded on major champions which is not fair he's got four top tens in majors this year we've asked him to accomplish everything on the golf course we've asked him to accomplish everything off the golf course i i mean it, it is crazy the level of expectation that we pile on this guy and oh by the way he almost always surpasses our expectations yeah and and you know i think about this because golf is so historic and it's a game that's been played forever and and we got to experience some of that you know especially fans that are new to the game when you watch the open at the old course and you see the pictures and you hear the stories uh, and then you see these vignettes of you know St Andrew and all this sort of stuff the, these are historic things right and throughout the ages there've been historic players you think of you know Nicholas and obviously Tiger and and Tom Watson, who's won five of these, all these folks that are in the Hall of Fame. But I want to recognize because they've been fantastic rivalries. Like I think of the big three. You've had Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, and, and Gary Player. Imagine watching those three play in your prime, right? You would have thought you are the most being a golf fan must have been incredible. The problem is a lot of folks couldn't watch them play because of there just wasn't a lot of global television and such. And if you did have TV, you're watching just a few holes. Now we get to watch, we've, this generation has watched Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy both, who are generational. And you can watch them essentially from start to finish every round they play, get comments from them on the wire as quickly as the blink of an eye or how fast Carl Porter wants to tweet. And so we are <laughs> very far, uh, we, we just a fortunate group of golf fans right now and people need to acknowledge that too because i got pissed when i read some of the drivel on twitter about our mcelroy this and he should have hit it closer and stuff i'm like he should have hit it closer you guys need to get out on a golf course and actually watch the guy play a little bit it'll it'll it is 
it is a biblical experience. And yeah, I have a man crush on the guy because I know how hard it is to hit a golf ball well, and then especially hit a golf ball well under pressure. And he makes it look like he's angelic. And so things go wrong at times because you put yourself out there. And that's all I can say. You put yourself out there. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sadly, this one didn't work on the grandest of stages. If it had, it would have been probably one of the great stories of, I don't know, certainly the millennium. So anyway, so that's me with my rant. It was an incredible week. I lived and died by every shot he hits. And when he missed that putt on three, I was like, oh, shucks. I've seen this yeah. movie before. And then he gave himself chances. Thankfully, I was in church, so I couldn't lose my mind too much when putts were bleeding over the edge. And then when I got out there, I was like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's just over the edges and that. And then when, when Cam had that up and in on 14, well, the birdie on 13, that's like stealing because that all is arguably one of the hardest in, in, in the major championship game. 13 and 14, that up and down from 14, I was like, oh, shucks, this is going to be hard. And then I tweeted, I'm like, this is going to come down to 17 and 18. And then you have to tip your cap to Cam Smith. That up and down on 17 was incredible. And then to close it off with a tap-in birdie on 18 from In the Valley of Sin, that's what golf is. That's competition. But yeah. kudos to Rory for hanging around like he did. Yeah. So to that point, Mark, he said, whenever you put yourself in the shining light, this was a quote from him afterwards, whenever you put yourself in that shining light, you're going to have to deal with setbacks and deal with failure. Today is one of those times, but I just have to dust myself off and come again and keep working hard and keep believing. And, you know, JT, we actually talked to JT afterwards and, he talked a lot about uh, how hard expectations are and his expectations are not even what Rory's are, especially here. You know, I, I would not, I don't know that I was prepared for how pro Rory these crowds would be. I mean, especially once tiger ejected on or missed the cut on Friday, it was like all systems go for Rory over the last two rounds. I mean, you, you couldn't, and and people were not being rude to Hovland or rooting against him at all. But as soon as he would hit, I mean, just chance of come on, Rory, come on, Rory, like just all over the ballpark. And it was, it was pretty cool. Um, but it's gotta be a lot of weight to carry. You just got to feel like you're carrying the whole freaking golf world, you know, between that and live and like all the other stuff. Go ahead, Mark. No, I wanted to, <laughs> this is bad of me. you mentioned JT and it just reminded me. I want a bottle of wine off my brother because he had JT and I had McElroy this week. So there is some good news to this whole thing. Anyway, back to you. Uh, uh, I, wanna, I wanted to ask Rick because this was going to be my column if, if Rory won. And it was something that I thought a lot about, especially on Sunday, but really throughout the whole weekend is why do people love Rory? Why do you love Rory? And that's, I asked, um, I asked, Tony Finau and I asked JT and I asked different players and different people. And I think everybody has a different answer. Uh, and I included some of those quotes in my story, which again, people can read. Um, but it was something that um, I don't know. It just kind of struck me. Uh, that was sort of what I like oftentimes on Sundays, I just write what I wake up thinking about. And that was what I woke up thinking about is why do people love Rory McIlroy? And I've got, I've got a list of reasons probably myself that, I have gone through, could go through, whatever. But I'm curious, just from your perspective, Rick, why do you love Rory? I just think, well, one, he's ama he's amazing golfer. Two, he's seemingly 
an amazing human. Rory's very human. Rory generally answers questions that are on the spectrum of thoughtful questions to stupid questions, always answers them in a thoughtful, transparent way. Um, I think he, he tells us when things are disappointing. He tells us when things are great. He tells us uh, like we see the good and bad and, and Oh, by the way, he's just like a historic figure in our game. He's just very easy to like. And, and I'll just throw this back to you, Kyle, because the question I was going to ask you is like, where do like, what now, where do we go from here? Because this entire year felt like we were building to this moment, right? Everything, We've been building. Everything has led to this. It's, it's not a lie. Everything has like, it's been building to this moment. We talked about it. In Brookline, it's like Rory's about to win the Open Championship. Like we know it's coming. It's coming. There's no other way for this to happen. We get 54 holes in. Rory McIlroy's tied with Victor and four shots clear of everybody else. We're at the old course. We're willing him to. This is going to be the moment. We're all going towards the moment. The moment didn't happen. So like now what? Yeah, I... I... I uh, I don't know, because I think there's a part of me, I, and I said this during the PGA Championship, when he got the good side of the draw, he got the good side of the draw here, too, and you go out and he kind of just played crappy for three rounds, not crappy, but just for him, mediocre for three rounds, the last three rounds at the PGA Championship, and then here you're like, final pairing, um, everything is is in front of you it seemed like not a cakewalk, but it just seemed like you just had to kind of play your game and go out and win the open championship. And it's like, okay, so if you don't get it done at those two, like when, when does this actually happen? And I think part of the problem with some of the Rory stuff, and we've talked about this, Rick is he won like the first four of the first five rips he had at it. Right. And so you're like, Wow, like those expectations are just just off the off the planet. Like they're just in another universe, and that's not really. He's historically great, but he's not that type of historically great. It's a little bit of the more thing Morikawa is about to go through. I think if he doesn't win over the next two or three years, where you're like, dude, you won two of eight. Like, aren't you going to win seven? And it's like, no, he's he's not. Like he just got like those two just fell his way, and we would talk about him differently if one fell his way in 2020 and one fell his way in 2024. And so for Rory, because they were all bunched together, like if you space those out and he wins one in 2012 and one in 2016 and one in 2019 and one this year, then it's like, Oh man, like this dude's just going to keep winning majors into perpetuity, you know, but that's not how it went. And so it, you just get these kind of unmet expectations and, I mean, you talk to all these players and I, I think they echo what we say, which is like, if you keep putting yourself in that position, you're going to win major championships. And it does statistically seem like that, but also with Rory, it hasn't happened. And he hasn't put himself there as much as people think that he has probably, but he has put himself there a lot. Carnoustie, Augusta in 2018, this one, uh, PGA, and he hasn't gotten it done. So I think, I don't know. I, I think it does start to beg the question of like, is the, is this going to happen again? I obviously hope it does, but 
It might not. I just wanted to quickly put a uh, come in on what you guys were saying. I, I think the reason why folks like Rory is because he's authentic. You know, he was the guy that tossed a four iron into the water hazard at Trump Durrell, right? Because he's that guy and he's authentic when he gives you answers and he's authentic with his emotions. And to have a superstar that's that human, I think people gravitate towards because when a person is on that sort of a level with these otherworldly sort of skills, you put them up there and you, you, you don't guess that they'll talk to you, but he'll walk down the fairways and talk to me when we're out there and he'll talk to me about stuff that isn't golf because he's just authentic that way. And then to the question of where do we go now? Well, I'll tell you where we go now. If I, if I know the Rory McIlroy, is that what? He's 31 right now? 31 Three. or 32? 33. 30, right, 33. So he's barring injury. He's good for another 10 years or so. That's another 40 cracks at major championships and stuff. He's going to go rest. He's going to take a little while to get over this. It will. This, this one's going to sting. But he'll go rest. He'll go get back in the uh, on in the gym and back on the driving range and back on the putting green. He's on a really good tack now with Bob Rotella and the crew, and that's helping him to manage all the expectations and the self expectation. He's got you know the, the putting uh, to me looks really sound. The golf swing is getting better and better with his arms more up and in front of him, so he doesn't get so stuck anymore. So you go right, just get back on the saddle, keep putting yourself in position. You're going to hopefully pick off one or two more. The key is to stay injury-free. That is the, the, all, all the key for Rory. And just take, take some time to get over this one because he's authentic, he's human. And so yeah. he's going to be feeling exactly what all of the rest of us who are Rory <laughs> McElroy fans are feeling times 100. Yeah, I think, I think it's just – I don't disagree with any of that, Mark. And I think he's playing better golf than – than people realize like he's playing tremendous golf like he's it's amazing he's been amazing he's in the irony that i i should have included that i actually i need to include this in my piece but i need to add it the irony of playing great golf is that it's more disappointing when you don't win right which is you it's almost like especially for somebody like rory where the wins are the only thing that matters whenever you play better it's actually more disappointing than when you play worse which is just very normal sport, right? It's very just stupid. Um, but it's also it's also true. And I forgot. Oh, the thing I was going to say, Mark, I think it's really hard. Harder than people realize to keep putting yourself out there, right? To right. keep um, making yourself vulnerable, not just with the media. And I thought he did a good job of like stiff arming us this week and not giving in to the sappy syrupy stories that we all wanted to write until today he kind of gave in a little bit but i thought he did a great job of that but just even to put yourself out there in the spotlight over and over and over again rory's got a lot of gray hairs and that is that that takes a toll on you and i think it's a cost that people don't really budget in when they're talking about superstars but i think it's one that needs to be uh sort of um just recognize with his career going forward. That's a tremendous take. Uh, and and think about how a lot of folks, movie stars, top flight athletes, how they deal with this sort of stuff. If you're not very grounded and just connected with inside and you kind of know where your source is, it's easy to find other sources of comfort. And I'm talking about, you know, all sorts of paraphernalia, alcohol, drugs, that sort of stuff. So for Rory to stay where he is, it speaks to the human being that he is, to get up every single day and put yourself in this, because he is beloved by all, like Arnold Palmer was. And then, but, but he's remaining true to who he is, thankfully. 
This is uh, filthy, by the way, if you're watching on YouTube. This is disgusting. It's, uh, it's a screenshot of Rory McIlroy's Wikipedia page, and it is uh, chock full of yellow squares and uh, four green ones. Those yellows are all top tens. The greens are uh, are victories. So top eight, or excuse, yeah, top eight in five of his last six. <laughs> it's it's pretty good. Uh, we're going to talk plenty about Rory McIlroy, I'm sure. But Rory, Rory walked with Victor Hovland on on Sunday, and uh, Victor did not have a good day. It was a two over seventy four. Didn't make his first birdie until twelve. Kyle, I'm going to throw this at you because Mark and I kind of talked about this a little bit uh, last night. I, I'm obviously you know, heavily emotionally invested in, in outcomes for, for Victor. And I love that he was in the heat of the battle. I know it's only major championship number 11 for him. And, you know, consensus says he's going to have a lot more cracks at this, but I, I just think of all the guys that we've said that about, and it never came to fruition. Right. Um, I, 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 I just, I just want to see him. Obviously he's going to have more cracks, but like that's never guaranteed. Is it? Yeah, I, uh, man, he's good. He's really, really, really good. And he, even his short guy, like people all week were like just disparaging his chipping. And listen, statistically, it's not good. Like it is, it is a tough scene and it's gotten worse this year. Right. Um, but he had some, he had some short shots this, like even today that I was like, that was legit. Like that was really good in difficult spots and uh yeah i mean listen like i I think he's going to be really good for a long time he does the stuff that you need to do best he's he's a top whatever six seven ball striker in the world uh i thought his pay like i thought his feel and pace this week was super impressive because I mean, sort of the name of the game this week because you bang it up as far as you can and sort of like try to wind your way around some of these crazy undulated greens. And he did such a tremendous job of that. I thought it was super impressive. I don't even know if that's like the best style of major for him. It seems like kind of an aerial assault would be a better, like a bell reeve almost or something like that. Maybe even like a Beth page would be fantastic for him. But I thought it was important. You know, I, I think today it was today was overwhelming. I mean, it was a, today felt like just, it felt like such a big deal. And I think that probably got to him a little bit. He's never finished in the top 10 at a major. And I think that he's somebody that will sort of work his way into that. And would I be surprised if he never won a major? I I think I would. Is he going to win five of them? I don't know about that. I, I don't, know that anybody in this I don't know that you can say that about anybody but I do think he has the type of game and the type of demeanor and work ethic and all the things that you need Rory was effusively praising him throughout the weekend and uh yeah I'm I'm excited about his future I I think he's going to be really good for a really long time Victor is legit He's, he's he's a heck of a player um but what Victor experienced in the final group today he was kind of in the he was in the learning zone there playing alongside McElroy yeah. at the open, you know, that sort of venue. You know, he's been in a Ryder Cup. I'm channeling my inner Taylor Gooch right now, and that's a pretty big deal to play under that sort of an environment and and playing at Whistling Straits. There was he was on the other side of the fan support, as he was yeah, this week, um, obviously with McElroy being the fan favorite. But the final group on a Sunday at a major is different and it hits you differently. 
and he's won some events, but they haven't been this. And you know, you can say what you like about you know tour and and great players and how many wins and stuff they've had. There there are certain events that when you're in contention, they feel different, and they don't just feel different to you; they feel different to the people around you. And I can speak to that. And um, so I, I know what it takes sort of behind the scenes. So Victor's a quick study. Look, he's learned a lot quickly. And the short game that everyone critiques, he's changing that stuff and he's changing it fast. And he's also changing that in the spotlight because the first thing that goes awry when he misses a few shots, which you're likely to do, is someone will start critiquing how he chips and putts. And then they want to know why. Then that's coming down on him, right? So he's dealing with that pretty fast. And I'm impressed at that. So I know he can learn. I know he's a quick study. I know he wants it. You can see the desire in the guy. He's got an easy manner about the thing. So I feel like today, in as much as what he would be disappointed with the thing and the result and the way he played, he will learn a lot from that and just learn that your body under that environment feels different. It's, it's not, it doesn't, perf you don't perform like you normally would. And you can, yeah, like, I think like I was saying about Rory, one sec, Kyle. Like I was saying about Rory, you gotta, you're up because your heart rate's up. Then you've got to calm the system down. Then, you, then you've got to get up to hit it hard. And there's this change of emotion and stuff that is so real. And I feel like Hovland would have learned that today. And now he has valuable experience to look back on. Well, I mean, look at even take uh, Cam Young, right, where he goes out and shoots. What did he shoot in the final round of the PGA, Rick? Like 74 or something not great. Something not great. And he shoots do it. I said something not great is right. I don't know what it was. Uh, and then he shoots 65 today and almost and almost gets into a playoff to to win the Open Championship. So just putting yourself – I mean, I th it, it gets said a lot, but I think putting yourself in that position just teach – like it, it's just the one thing that you can't simulate. You cannot simulate Sunday at a major championship. And – what it feels like and what the, how thin the oxygen is and just like you're gasping for air and you're just freaking out. And it's just, you know, I, yeah, it's, 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 it's terrifying. And I think to get more, as many reps as possible in those situations can, can only be beneficial going forward for somebody like Hoplin. Yeah. I'm glad you guys mentioned the experience. I was just sending him a message. He described, he described, uh, he described today as a cool experience. Which is <laughs> cool. Like, let's go. he's gonna soak that up. He's gonna sponge that in, and he's gonna use that uh, constantly moving forward. So, you know, Rick, that 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 is that's why he's so refreshing too, and it's one of the reasons why I believe that he will learn from this because everyone else coming out of there will look at themselves as oh, I suck, I'm a failure, and such. But this guy's not afraid to sort of laugh at himself and poke fun at himself, and. To come back with that sort of a, uh, a text back to you is that speaks to who he is, and that convinces me even more <laughs> that he's ready for it, and he will learn, and he will come back stronger for this. Uh, Victor Hovland ends up finishing T four. Uh, we cannot overlook uh, the other Cameron. That's Cameron Young, who went out and shot himself a seven under sixty five KP with the big boy exclamation point by driving the green on 18 and rolling the putt in. And then I started doing all the mental calculation. Cam Smith's over there. Rory's doing this. We might have ourselves a three-way playoff here at 19 under par. And Cam Young might win this thing and just take it away from everybody. Yeah, that, that was cool. That was a moment. I, I Again, I didn't see a ton of him today, but we were on 17 when he drove the green. And you see just this, you know, I mean, you guys saw it on TV all week, but the, the, the crowds on 18 in that grandstand, just be on the green, just rise and like start going crazy. 
and you're like, oh my gosh, like he might be tight on on 18, and he was, I mean, he was tight enough, and then uh, and then he makes it, and that that was that was like actually a really it didn't obviously factor into the tournament, but it was a really cool moment. Like it was it was a real moment on 18 on Sunday for somebody who's had again just a tremendous year. Got to be. I think just off the top of my head, rookie of the year, Davis Riley, Sahith, the guy. I don't, I don't know who else is in that conversation, it's but not it's not close. Chad Ramey's the only guy who has a win, and yeah. and Cam Young's got like a billion runner-up finishes and a lot of big time. Yeah, big time so runner. he, yeah, he's been, uh, he's been awesome. I can't, there was something else I was going to say about him. I can't remember. He's he's. He look he's a little like Sheffler where he looks like he's like 40, but he's only like 24. <laughs> and uh yeah, he's I'm super impressed by him. I mean, again, you shoot 70 on uh on Saturday and and you're in a playoff, which easy for me to say. I did I did wonder if uh if Rory was gonna be able to do the same thing as he did and and uh drive the oh, green and make it two, which would have been well. I told I was with Shane Bacon, I told him, I was like, Man, what if he like hits the pin here? Make a one to win the open on the 18th at St. Andrews. We'd we just shut down golf. Golf would no longer exist after that. Also, a lot of people in the chat think you look a lot older than you are in that bucket cap. Um, Mark. Yes. You and I spoke on Friday. We did, and we were talking just about this guy. And mm -hmm. we said he is not going away. That was our general consensus about mm -hmm. Cam Young, wasn't it? It was. And I hearkened back to, I mean, I remember this podcast where I went and watched, I was actually making a point of watching Sahith Tagala at um, Torrey Pines. And he was grouped alongside Cam Young and I watched Cam Young play then and I took an interest in him because his mom and dad had a summer home just down the way from where my parents are in Orlando. So I got to know them some. And so I made a point of watching him and I was like, geez, you know, he sort of blew my hair back a little bit. And I mentioned it to you guys to watch out for this guy. And all of a sudden, the guys just burst out of the shadows, and everyone will look to the power off the tee, which is a separator. There, there's no doubt about that. But he does not get phased whatsoever. The guy's resting heart rate must be like in the 30s or 40s because he never looks flustered at all. Um, and then I, I pointed out to you that I had him in the final round there at the PGA, Southern Hills. And it was all about Will Zalatoris, right? And Cam just hung around there, made a mistake or two. And all of a sudden I turn around and he's got the lead on the 16th hole. Now he made a big mistake there and he made double, but then he still finished just one back of the playoff. And lo and behold, he comes to the next major or one more major championship after that PGA, the better player. He had all the right shots coming down the stretch when he had to drive it in the fairway. He did when he had to make a putt, he did. And that tee shot on 18, it rested like 15 to 16 feet from the cup. It nearly it was close to rolling in on the angle from that valley of sin. So, look, he isn't going away. Uh, and if he stays with that demeanor of his and the guidance he has around him. In fact, while he was playing well the other day, right after you and I were chatting, I texted his dad, David. And I'm because, you know, my podcast is about golf instruction. And I texted David. I'm like, are you in Scotland? He goes, you're having a great time. I'm like, you guys are doing awesome. Would you join me for a chat when you get back? And he's like, yeah, absolutely. I'll be back on Tuesday. And, and I want to quiz his dad because as a director of golf at Sleepy Hollow and a golf instructor, he has guided this young man like with a chef's kiss, the way he's just allowed him to play his game, what he's teaching him to do, what he's allowing him to do naturally well has been perfection. 
And I don't think Cam Young is going anywhere. I mean, he's just scratching the surface of what he could be. Yeah, that the fact that he can hit it like he hits it and he's got more touch than all those other bombers combined. It's 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 special stuff and a demeanor that'll take you a long way. Uh, gentlemen, it didn't take long uh, after the final putt dropped at the 150th Open Championship to be reminded that Live Golf still looms very large. Uh, Jamie Weir from Sky Sports has tweeted out that Henrik Stenson is expected to join Live Golf imminently. And here's the kicker, KP. And to be stripped of the Ryder Cup captaincy. So uh, Henrik Stenson has has done the calculation. He's done the math. And he has said it is worth it to him, assuming these reports are correct, uh, to no longer be the Ryder Cup captain. Yeah, this was probably the, I mean, again, being at a major, you hear everybody's name. <laughs> but this is probably the one that you heard the most. Uh, there were some others. I, I can't uh, totally remember all of the. Oh, well. I probably shouldn't say the other ones because obviously they're not as heavily reported as this one. But um, yeah, this this is a bummer. I mean, I think when it starts directly affecting the Ryder Cup, you're like, oh, like, yeah, this is this is a problem. Right. And you think about, um, yeah, even guys like I think John Rahm had a quote today about Sergio. Um let me pull it up. Uh, I don't know. I can't find it. But, um, yeah, when it starts affecting stuff like the Ryder Cup and uh, the major championships and stuff like that, it's like, oh, maybe this, like, isn't the greatest thing in in golf. And I, I just don't know, like, what's going to be done about it. Is there going to be a resolution? Is there going to people keep saying, oh, they need to talk and compromise to what end? Like, how's that going to go? I I just I don't know. It's uh, I don't want to dive back into this open championship was so good and so fun. And so just purely about golf. And now we got to jump back into this mess over the next several weeks. Real quick, uh, if I may, please, Rick. Look, you know, if you had to make a list of the players you thought were going. Justin Rose, Henrik Stenson, Garcia, all those sorts of Euros would be on there. And a lot of the Europeans still on are on there. The timing of this is horribly disappointing. It's right in character with what Liv is doing, where they break this sort of news just to kind of take almost guerrilla warfare, just an incredible event to Carl's point in the 150th Open at St. Andrews. But Stenson, he lost everything in that Bernie, Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. Uh, what's that, like 10, 15 years ago? So it looks like he's trying to recoup losses here with his decision, which I'm desperately disappointed in. Uh, yeah, we don't need to do the whole live thing, but Cam Smith was asked about live in his post, uh, post-win presser KP, and his quote was, I just won the British Open, and you're asking about that? I think that's pr- that's not – sorry. I think that's pretty not that good. I don't know. <laughs> my team around me worries about all that stuff. I'm here to win golf tournaments, end quote, which is simultaneously the correct answer and also not a not like super uh you know makes me feel comfy in any way. <laughs> who's the who's the last person to get hostile at a major championship about live? That would be Brooks. Brooks. Yeah. Doesn't bode well. I'll it, say also that. Sounds, it also sounds exactly like what Patrick Cantley said. I don't know. My team handles that. <laughs> yeah. Like <laughs> it does not, it does not bode well. 
I don't know. I, I honestly have not thought about live for at least two or three days, which has been nice. And I, I don't, I, I, it's one of those things, you know, I was talking to somebody about this this week. It's one of those things that it's so hard to, you almost have to intellectually assent to wrap your mind around everything. And when you're not thinking about it, you can't just turn it back on and start thinking about it very easily again. Cause you're like, okay, I got to think about this correctly and then this thing over here and then if this happens and it's just like a really complicated thing and complex thing to think about and it affects and will affect um so much of the golf world going forward and i don't i don't really know how it's going to end who's getting a phone call sorry that was me i'm i I got a lot going on that's greg norman (laughs) yeah this is your call kyle he's watching live calling in let yeah. your let your team handle that. Um, all right, a couple odds and ends here. Uh, Mark Tiger Woods obviously missed the cut. Didn't look particularly good in the process. Uh, I imagine we will get like Hero World Challenge, PNC Championship, Augusta National. That looks like the immediate uh, next three times we see Tiger Woods play golf. Yeah, yeah. And I was actually going to ask you guys about this because um, the folks from HQ reached out to me and they wanted me to voice and or narrate and voice something about what's next for Tiger. And the truth is, right now, I don't know what's next for Tiger. I, I was pretty high on Tiger Woods this week, just the setup of the golf course, his knowledge of the place, um, the fact that, you know, during his time away from the game, because of the weakness in the leg, all he could do was pitch and putt. And that was going to be a large part of the equation this week. And then for him to oh, really struggle, I mean, it, it looked, it was it was less than convincing to me. Um it is curious, and, and I hate to say that Tiger Woods is back to the drawing board, but I feel like Tiger Woods is back to the drawing board as he discovers more and more um, in terms of how he is able to perform with the deficiency now that is his leg. And then you com- you culminate that and you, you add it to you know, how that trans- moves through the rest of his body and how it affects his hips and his back and stuff. So, so, so right now, I'm not sure. Uh, and and uh, I, I echo Tiger's Woods. He should be disappointed because... I, I had high hopes, and I'm sure he did. Uh, that photo, everlasting image of uh, Tiger walking across Swilkin Bridge there. I think Jacob also has another uh, image that might better sum up uh, this week. Do we have that, Jacob? Kyle, I'm wondering if you could – yeah, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> if you watch on YouTube, uh, some of golf media's best got together. And, uh, Kyle, as usual, it would not be – a major championship if you were not memed. Um, I heard that you are the villain from Stranger Things and so on. And so what is going on? What happened? Yeah, there you go. That, that's the Shane Bacon. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, and, he's, and, and Rick, he's trying to convince us that he's only had like one or two points that points this week. It doesn't look like it at all in that picture. Am I right? At, at that point last night. So last night I had one beer. And at that point I had only had like three quarters of it. Uh, I don't, I honestly, I'm not real sure what happened here. Uh, there was some weird lighting, like this, the, what it is. the lights were really bright and strange and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously not good. The comments, if you go read Shane Bacon's original tweet, the comments absolutely slayed me like the funniest stuff i've ever read if you go producer pull the pull the big photo back up the funniest comment on the whole thing 
was somebody said, don't, <laughs> don't let Porter's face, uh, take away from the fact that it looks like Porath is is an aging like retired running back sitting in front of all of his his football friends <laughs> there's so many good ones it's so good <laughs> uh, it was it was a fantastic week with good friends and I'm just glad that I was able to uh, to get memed again. I mean, it's it's every major. I need I need someone who's a Photoshop uh, wizard to Photoshop a red bucket hat onto you in that picture. That would finish <laughs> it. That would be like the exclamation. Somebody, photo, somebody photoshopped me onto Greg Norman's body standing behind Shipnuck at the live event <laughs> in London, <laughs> which was great. Oh. I'm happy to, to I'm happy to make golf Twitter laugh for another day. So hope everybody enjoys that. We do. Thank you. You're you're a great sport, and we do we do appreciate the the laughs along the way, gentlemen. Major championship season in the books. Mark, all major winners under 30 years old. First mm-hmm. time, first time since um forever that that has happened. So we are in uncharted territory. And as we've been saying for a long time, the game's getting better. The game's getting younger. And now our major champions prove it. And the game's getting longer. And that's why you're seeing the youngsters come through because look, they're coming out of college thick and fast. I mean, the kids coming out of college are fast, like, like long driver fast. And when you are North of 30 stuff starts slowing down. And when you're North of 40, you boys wouldn't know just yet, but stuff really starts slowing down. And then when you hit Tiger Woods sort of age, you, you really can't compete. Uh, it's just a reality. I've talked to Gary Player about it, and he did, had a study done a, a, about when golfers' physical facilities start to dwindle, and it's around like the age of 43. So Nicholas winning at 46, the Masters, this sort of stuff doesn't happen. It's miraculous at best. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I think this trend will continue. I don't see this going anywhere. What was everybody's favorite uh, moment of the week? Favorite what? moment of the major of the open week it feels like it's been going on for so long right it feels like it's been going on for two and a half weeks because we we did the sky it just feels like it's been going on forever it's a good question hmm um that bunker shot on 10 that rory hold was oh. that that was you know it going in was one thing but the degree of difficulty on that um I'm surprised they didn't talk about it more because we saw a replay of the thing about 20 times. I mean, that, that's a one in 25 shot at best. You could put 25 balls down there and be lucky to get inside of five feet because of that fall off in front of you. And to hold that thing, that was just incredible. So for me, it was the hole out, but there were so many. I mean, just the images of the Swilkin Bridge and Tiger walking over there. And, and every time they get that picture from behind the tee, and I loved I loved you yeah, in the final po- portion of the, the broadcast where you see a ball rolling onto the back corner of 17 green as someone's on the tee on 18. That's, that is quintessentially the old course to me. And to see the RNA clubhouse and Rissac's hotel and stuff, it's everything was great. Yeah. The Lowry made back-to-back Eagles tiger on 18 and max like the grin he had on his face the entire time, everything was going on. Um, I love that camera that they had from like behind the road. Hole. Like you could see the ball lands coming towards you on the yeah. fairway on 17. I mean, there was, I don't know. There was a lot of good stuff. 
I think my three were probably the Rory hole out on 10. That was, I was out there and it was, you know, I, I told somebody this, it might've been on HQ, but I don't get, uh, I don't really get chills on the golf course very often. Cause you just, I, I mean, Mark knows how this is. You, you're out here, you see everything, you see just a ton of stuff all the time. And there's just nothing that really kind of gets to you the more you're out here. And that was a moment where I was like, wow, like that was, that was unbelievable. And I got chills. Like as the, as the, the crowd on 11 stood up and started chanting Rory's name and you're like, Rory might win the open at St. Andrews, you know? So that was cool. Uh, I thought the Rory hat tip to Tiger was really understated and, it meant a lot to Tiger, and he talked about. I wrote about that for CBSSports.com. But then, honestly, like Cam's uh, up and down on seventeen. I, again, I wasn't right there for it, but just seeing it, uh, seeing a replay of it, it's it's you kind of feel like seventeen is going to decide the tournament, right? Because I mean, think about their approach shots, Rick. It, Cam could make five, and Rory had a putt for three. I mean that. The two shots he hit, Rory hit into 17 were big boy shots. Yeah, they were. But that, you know, those second, third shots there were the entire, Were I mean, they weren't the entire tournament, but they were the entire end of the tournament because Cam makes four and Rory makes four. And it could have really easily been five and three. So I thought that moment for Cam uh, was, uh, for me, one, one, of the, one of the handful of things that I'll remember 10 years from now. Oh, there's so much to talk about. We've got to do our odds and ends, though. We'll get out of here on that. Our best bets are one and done selections. But first, we are going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Uh, three best bets. They were either top 10s or top 20s. The coach went with Justin Thomas to finish inside the top 20. That was wrong. That was you, Mark. That's the wrong. <laughs> wrong. We're going to get enough clips of you to be able to start putting sentences together and just... All right. In all your voice, we'll, we'll have Jacob put it on the board. Uh, KP, you and I found a couple of guys on the first page of the leaderboard. Jordan Spieth, who kind of made a little hay on Sunday, finished inside the top 10 plus 190. Rory McIlroy to finish inside the top 10 plus 130. Uh, you take the thoroughbreds at the majors, don't you? Yeah, especially at this place. And especially with how, I mean, for you, how Rory was playing and for me, how, how Spieth plays opens. I mean, that's, Spieth is just, nasty at open championships you can't put him away he, he didn't even it didn't even feel like he's playing that good and i was talking to bacon who had him on feature groups and he was like if he makes any putts he shoots 63 and he, yeah. sh- he shot 68 on sunday so he's just such a filthy open championship player i love it i can't wait for 15 more of them hey uh just pivoting looking at the, your guys bets there rick I'm I'm interested, yeah, because you've done two things completely out of character for you this last week. Maybe it's the lack of sleep, too much coffee, I don't know. But first off, you say that you don't need statistics when you're measuring Hovland's game because there's a bit of a boy crush brewing over there. But then I found a bet that I'm surprised you missed looking at the McElroy plus 130 for a top 10. There was a McElroy wager that was top former winner and you got plus 210. Yeah. Come on now, you should have went for that one rather. That's a good one. That's a good one too. What were there, 17, 18 of them in the field? Something 17, like that? Yeah, 17 players, six of them yeah. weren't really likely. Um, so you essentially had to beat Louis, Jordan Spieth, Shane Lowry, and Colin Morikawa. Yeah. And Lowry was the only one who was really playing any good out of those. So uh, 
That would could have got, got a couple more points out of it. Yeah, we'll call it lack of uh, lack of sleep, being on the wrong side of things this week. But Marion Spieth, I should say. Sorry. There you go. Yes, of course. Um, okay, gents, one and done update. So nobody found Cam Smith. Uh, myself and Jacob with Max Homa, zero dollars. He got the. It's not the wave disadvantage. It's the tiger disadvantage. Just got wiped on that one. Uh, coach went with Ryan Fox. That was a big zero. Sia Najad got Scotty Scheffler, who, if he could make a putt, that'd be he probably would have earned more than 120,000. Uh, Mark, you are still atop the leaderboard. You got Terrell Hatton, 231,000. You weren't the big winner of the week, but you are all, all you're doing is padding numbers at this point. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm sort of watching back as you know, when you're out in front and then the people behind, there's some jockeying for position and everyone's like, oh, we got a chance. And I hear the fans saying, well, what about we do this? And then I did see someone come and go, Mark's holding Rory for the Tour Championship. So, yeah, we, I, we'll let this thing play out, see how it goes. We will indeed let it play out. Uh, Greg and the fans got the same amount of money with two different people. Uh, Jordan Speed, 325667 for Greg. Kyle, you... Infamously, I believe, told the fans to pound sand with Patrick Cantlay, three hundred and twenty-five thousand, and then uh, I think it was Brent Harris on Twitter actually did pound sand. He happened to be at the beach <laughs> while he was listening. That was, that, was, that was so good. I loved that tweet. I have been getting DMs from people all week. One person in particular sent me like eight DMs about Cantlay demanding an apology, which <laughs> is that's I my. Mean, that's just my burner. <laughs> no, yeah, it, might, it might be. Uh, I I would like to apologize for Canley. He was great this week. It's still his major record is still below. Like it's not commensurate with his actual talent. With like how good he is. So let's let it play out. Maybe over more than one major. But yeah, he Canley was good. He kind of shied away from the lead on Saturday when he got into contention. But he was. He was solid. He played really, really good golf at the old course this week. So there's a semi-apology. Well, the saving grace for you is that Dustin Johnson went out and earned $469,500, your really last chance to use him, KP. So you can tell those fans to pound sand. Did I win for the week? Or did somebody have – oh, nobody had Fleetwood. No, but oh, I – Why is he crossed out? Because you used him at the PGA <laughs> Championship. Wait, what? <laughs> you Johnson at the PGA Championship and you get a big fat zero for him. I I, I hate this. This is this was you drank you drank more pints than you're telling us. I'm guaranteeing. I'm, I'm I got I got this. set up here. This is not good. We knew since Friday. We were hoping you were going to go into this big thing about how you knew DJ would play well at the old course and like <laughs> how dare the fans think they could outpick you at an open championship. I, I really did. I, re I really didn't think he was going to play that. I thought he would be fine. I, I, did, I didn't think he was going to finish in the top six. So, uh, yeah, this is this is tough to look at. I would have I would have won the. Uh, would have won. Yeah. I, uh, I I texted um, Jacob, I think it was, uh, earlier today. I'm like, oh, dang, who have I got to pay? And he comes back and he goes, Greg. And I was like, what? Doesn't Kyle have Dustin? He goes, yeah, he does. He's used him already. <laughs> we had to break off a group chat. We had to break <laughs> yeah, off. We, we went off. We went, Mark we went under wraps from blowing it. 
That's brutal. That's that's tough to look at. Why is he crossed up? Well, I thought I had. I thought I had. Uh, I must have another like top twenty player left that I still have have to use because <laughs> I thought I, I thought I had it planned out in my head that I was going to use Brooks and Bryson or Brooks and uh, DJ at the U.S. Open and the Open Championship, but clearly. You used you used Dustin Johnson at two different majors and got zero dollars out. <laughs> that's perfect. That's that's about how my uh, my one and done year is gone. Oh, so good. Pull up that face. Pull up my face again. <laughs> yeah, it's just like that's the way you feel, right? This is now. this is how I feel about picking <laughs> DJ twice and getting zero dollars. I'm glad there's I'm glad there's not relegation. I'd be on the verge of relegation. I'd have to go play in some like fans live league for the for next year. Yeah, thank God you, you are for the still... Asian tour. <laughs> yeah. The Asian tour. You gotta play Asian tour one and done until you can make enough money to come back. You couldn't pronounce the names, Cal. <laughs> you are still ahead of Sia, which is a saving grace. Also, so for for the fans, I was a little worried the fans were going to uh, alert the chat. So if this happens, we generally know. Don't spoil. Don't spoil the secret in the chat. I'm glad we were able to get all the way to the end of the pod without Kyle finding out. Brutal, so brutal. <laughs> so made my day. <laughs> I need to. Go, I'm going to go pound some sand on the North Sea after this. Brent Harris, find that quote. He says, "Who's pounding sand now, KP?" <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to. I'm going to go pound sand at the North Sea, and I'll send y'all a video tomorrow. <laughs> now put it on twitter put it out there not the group chat oh amazing amazing uh all right gents a lot of fun uh nine months to our next major championship but it's 3m open week huh huh anyone 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 uh, also there's still a barracuda go event going on in which by the way alex norin if Alex Noren wins the Barracuda, we can forgive him for being the first alternate and being in St. Andrews on Tuesday and then bouncing, thinking he wasn't going to get in, and then Justin Rose withdrew. That'd be a cool story, wouldn't it? That'd be a cool story. That would, that would be cool. I, would I like that. Alex Noren. Maybe, so, hopefully he doesn't go to live. Yeah, he feels like a candidate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. Well. We'll see. DFS preview Monday, mega preview pod Tuesday, betting preview Wednesday, round by round recaps. Who else is giving you seven days a week on the 3M Open? We are. That's who. For now, big thanks to producer Jacob. Does all the hard work behind the scenes. Mark Immelman, available on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. That's Kyle Porter and his red cap. You can find him at Kyle Porter CBS, and you can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut. We'll catch you next time.